0: Father, Your Word is living and active, and it can penetrate our hearts by Your Holy Spirit. And I pray that that would happen as we hear Your Word preached and proclaimed for the glory of Christ. Amen. You can be seated. There's been some good news, some good news coming out of Ukraine uh, recently. I'm sure, that you heard that the Ukrainian soldiers were able to take back part of their territory uh, from the Russians. And the Russians held um, thousands of square miles captive. But the Ukrainians were able to take uh, these territories back from the Russians. And so, I think it was over 3,000 square miles or so that was uh, recovered. And uh, dozens of towns and villages. And so, in these places that had been under Russian captivity, now the Ukrainian uh, flag Lies once again. And families were reunited. I saw one video of families being reunited and tears flowing as they embraced. One woman said that she had been living in a basement for four months with other people while under Russian oppression. And now she can come out into the light. The people who lived in captivity have been delivered. It reminded me, although this is a different set of circumstances, but it reminded me a bit of what happened in World War II when American G.I.s went into France, I don't know if you saw those pictures or read about this, but France was under Nazi occupation for many years, and then the G.I.s came, and they were greeted with flowers and um, flags, and the French villagers would pour them glasses of wine in thanksgiving for their deliverance. Well, I want you to take a look at our reading from Colossians today, because this is on page 7 in your bulletin, Colossians 1, verses 3 through 14, because Paul is thanking thanking God for delivering us, look at verse 13, from the domain of darkness and transferring us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. We have been delivered from captivity. And the Apostle Paul is writing in these first verses of Colossians a prayer of thanksgiving to our Deliverer. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. If you're in darkness, you're in ignorance. You cannot see. And to be in spiritual darkness means that you do not really see who God is. You don't know God if you're dwelling in spiritual darkness. Uh, If you're dwelling in spiritual darkness, according to the New Testament, that's also an image of being under the control of dark supernatural powers. The devil and demonic powers. And so to be delivered out of that, out of ignorance, not knowing who God is. I'm in the dark about who God is. I'm, under, I'm in the domain of spiritual powers of evil who are bent on destruction. To be delivered of that is an occasion for thanksgiving. And are you thankful this morning that God has done that work in your life? And can you say God has done that work? In my life, He's delivered me. I was in one realm, darkness. And now, God has taken me out of that realm and transferred me to a kingdom, of the kingdom of His beloved Son. It's a reason to say thank you to God. Well, how does God do that exactly? How does God deliver people... Out of darkness and transfer them into this glorious kingdom of his beloved son, Jesus Christ. Well, Paul tells us how. In the first part of this prayer, he is expressing thanks that it is through the gospel that they have been brought into the kingdom. It is through the gospel that the kingdom of God grows. And there's this imagery throughout this prayer of growth. And you see that. In verses, uh, five and six, the end of verse five, he says, Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed the whole world, as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing. It's bearing fruit and increasing among you as well. And so there's this image of growth and fruition. This is how the kingdom of God grows through the word of truth that's in the gospel of Jesus Christ. They have put their faith in the gospel. How do do you receive? How ought a person receive the gospel? Well, it's laid out here. Look at verse 4. This is how they received it. They put their faith in Christ Jesus. He's thanking God that we... Paul and Timothy writing this letter together. Paul probably dictating it to Timothy. But he says, Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. So, they have put their faith in Christ Jesus. And this faith has given rise to love. We heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. And it's given rise to hope, the hope of heaven. So here you have the three... Theological virtues, they're called, or the three basic virtues of the Christian life. Faith, hope, and love. And it started with faith in Christ. And then that produced love and hope. And see, that's what genuine Christianity looks like. It's a matter of putting your faith, your trust in Christ. And then from that flows fruitfulness, these virtues of faith and hope and love. And without that, you don't have genuine Christianity. There's a fruitfulness to our faith. It bears fruit in hope and love. And then you see, there are uh, some other verbs that Paul uses to describe. Maybe we could call these steps to receiving the gospel. Steps to receiving the gospel. Uh, He says that you heard the word of truth. That's at the end of verse 5. You heard the word of truth. He says it again at verse 6. The end of verse 6. Since the day you heard it. So, faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of Christ, Paul says in Romans 10. You, you, can't, um, you can't put your faith in something you haven't heard. <laughs> and so we need people who will share the gospel of Jesus Christ so people will hear. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And so that's the first step. They heard it. They put their faith in it. But then he says, the next step is they understood the grace of Christ in truth. Not just a matter of hearing the message, but then because... The Holy Spirit is at work when the Holy Spirit is at work. Not only does a person hear the gospel, they take interest in the gospel. They begin to hear something and there's this sense that this concerns me personally and so therefore I need to understand more about it. That's another step. There's the hearing and then there needs to be the understanding. This week I heard some financial news There's been a lot of financial news. I don't pay attention to it too often, but this week I heard a couple of things. One is that the bond market is shaky because of the rise in interest rates. Now, I don't have any investments in the bond market. I don't really understand that connection between the interest rates and the bond market. Maybe somebody can explain it to me after church. If I did have bonds, though, if I was personally invested in the bond market, then I would want to understand what's going on. That would compel me to do a little bit more digging to understand. There was another piece of financial news that I heard this week, and that is inflation rates and the fear of recession. Now, that got my interest because my wife has been coming home from the grocery store telling me how much things cost. And we can see inflation in our grocery cart. (laughs) And it impacts us. It impacts our family. And so when I heard that story, I perked up. Because I'm personally invested in this. It affects me personally. That's how it is with the gospel. When the gospel comes alive for people. It's not just a matter of hearing it. But I I want to understand it. I want to go deeper. I want to know how it applies to me and my family and my friends because there's a reality here that impacts us. There's the hearing. Then there's the understanding. And then there's the learning. He thanks God that they learned it from this fellow named Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he calls them. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, who, as we'll see later on in this book, was from Colossae. And uh, probably heard the gospel from the Apostle Paul, and then took that back to his hometown. But the interesting thing about this word uh, learning here, is it's the same root of the word we get our word disciple from. So they were discipled, in a sense, by Epaphras. And that's how the gospel grows. We hear it, we understand it, and then we learn it from other people. We are discipled in it, and that is a continual process. But that's an important thing for us to remember, just this basic truth, how the kingdom of Christ grows and how God delivers people. Paul doesn't say, now, the reason the kingdom is growing is we've got the right emperor in office. And if we don't have the right emperor in office, then the kingdom's not going to grow. No, that's not how the kingdom grows, through the political process. In fact, Paul's in jail. (laughs) He's in jail because of the Roman Empire. And yet, the kingdom is still growing. It's not dependent upon the political process. Paul doesn't say, you know, the kingdom grows as we promise people prosperity. They come to church, they will be more prosperous. We promise them that. Or we promise them miracles. Miracles happen great. We pray for it, but we can't promise it. But some churches, some strands of Christianity are doing that to try to grow the kingdom. And they're losing track They're veering off the focus of the gospel of Jesus Christ. No, Paul says it grows as people hear, understand, learn, and believe the word of truth about what God has done in Jesus Christ. And I wonder, as you look back on your life, can you thank God for an Epaphras? Can you thank God of for someone in your life, a parent, a grandparent, a Sunday school teacher, a preacher, a friend, maybe multiple, epaphrases, is that the plural of apaphras? Maybe multiple people. You can look back on your life and say, that was the person. These were the people that God used to help me grow in my understanding of Christ. And what it means to live this life. We can thank God for such people. And we can ask God to help us be an Epaphras. For other people as well. Because that is how the kingdom grows. So Paul thanks God for how the kingdom is growing through the gospel. But that's not the end of this prayer. Then he begins to pray for spiritual growth in the life of the believer. Here's how the kingdom grows throughout the world. Here's how the kingdom grows in the in the life of the believer. And that's in verses 9 through 11 if you look at that part of the prayer. And he's praying that they would know more. They would know more. They would not be complacent or content with where they're at. But they would know more and they would be filled with more more power you see, what's happening here is that, and we'll, as we get into this letter a little bit more, because this is Sermon 1 of a series of sermons on Colossians, what we'll see is that there were a group of false teachers in Colossae who were saying to the Colossians, it's wonderful that you have heard about Christ, but there's something more that you need to do, there's something more that you need to know if you're going to be filled with more wisdom and more power. And so we're going to tell you, here's what else you need to know. And not everybody gets this, these false teachers are going to say. It's for our little group. Don't you want to be part of the in group? And know more. And have more power. And go beyond the simple gospel. And so Paul... In response to this is saying, yes, I do want you to know more. I want you to experience more. I want you to experience greater power. But it's not a departure from the gospel. It's not a departure from Christ. It's a development of the gospel. It's a maturity in Christ. It's not a departure from the clear gospel. Genuine spiritual growth does not contradict the teaching of Christ. Genuine spiritual growth does not add to the work of Christ. Genuine spiritual maturity will never take us away from focusing on Christ. It will lead us to Christ-likeness, not away. One time I talked to a man who was excited to share with me about... This discovery that he had made. And he invited me over to lunch. And we sat over in Chili's. I'll never forget. Over there by the mall. Used to be Chili's. I don't know what it is now. And he began to share his spiritual journey with me. And how he was raised in the church. And his dad was a pastor. And But now, he said, I've really discovered what it's all about. You see, he had come across a teacher, a very charismatic teacher, I think, online. And this teacher had a Bible, his own Bible. That's always a red flag. That is a red flag. He had a new revelation, which wasn't new, he said, but a deeper realization of the truth of what the gospel is all about. And it was this, that Christ really didn't come to die for our sins on the cross or rise again to give us eternal life. But what Christ did is He came to show us that we are Christ. We don't need His death for our sin. We need to live into the reality of our own divine nature. Well, I try to convince this man, this is not growth in Christ. This is departure from Christ. This is not um, deeper. This is going away from the clear teaching of the apostles and Jesus' words in the gospel. But see, he had this new Bible that got to the real truth of the gospel. And so we have to be on guard against these teachers that would take us away from the plain and clear gospel of Jesus. The gospel is plain and clear. But our growth in the gospel is never complete. Not this side of heaven. And so this is why Paul prays for spiritual growth. Look at these goals of growth. Now, I don't have time to re, or to examine all these things that Paul prays for, for the church at Colossae. But I kind of broke them up into categories. Goals of spiritual growth. And they are uh, knowledge, growth in knowledge... Growth in behavior and growth in attitude. We are to grow in our knowledge. He says, verse 9, that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will. We're to know more and more the will of God. And then verse 10, the end of that, the very last phrase. Increasing in the knowledge of God. Not just about God. But the personal knowledge of God, to be people who know God personally, that's knowledge. And then there's behavior, to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work. And then there's attitude, to be strengthened with all power, verse 11, according to His glorious might. Here are the attitudes of endurance and patience with joy. So, these are some categories that we can think about when it comes to spiritual growth. These are goals for spiritual growth. I need to grow in my knowledge of God, of His will. I need to grow in my knowledge of God in terms of my personal relationship with Him. And I do that in order to walk in a way that's pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in good works. And as I'm engaging in this process of spiritual growth with the help of God's grace, I want to do it with endurance, patience, and joy. I want to persist in this gospel truth and gospel growth with those attitudes. And maybe one way to apply this is to think about this. Can you think of your own life and people in your life that you're concerned about spiritually. And what area of need at their stage in their life as Christians are you concerned about? Or what about in your own life? Um, is it the knowledge of God's will? What to do? Is it good works that, that I need to be better at? I know God. I, I know His will. But I need to do a better job... Of living that out in my workplace, among my friends, and in my family, I, I need to do a better job of good works that glorify God. Or maybe it's attitude. You know, yes, I know who God is, I, I know his will, I'm growing in my relationship with God, I'm I'm doing things that I know that honor him, but I don't have a lot of joy and patience. As I'm doing these things. So, I need God to help me with these attitudes. Now, all these things are interrelated, of course. It's like a ball of yarn. They're all interrelated. But sometimes it's helpful to take out the strands of yarn. To identify these things. And to pray specifically about these categories of growth in our life. And in the life of other people. We can be like Paul. We can offer up these concerns for spiritual growth for ourselves. Now, this growth happens not from our strength, but from the strength that God gives us. And this is not trying to do this in our own power, because that's impossible. It's a spiritual growth which requires spiritual power, which requires the Spirit of God. So, to be strengthened, he says, he's praying that God would do that. That He would strengthen them with His glorious might we're strengthened by God in order to know God to please God and to have attitudes that reflect something of the character of God it's got to come from God and that comes through prayer and meditating on who God is there was a pastor in the 19th century named uh, Andrew Bonar and uh Luke Davis's father been reading one of his commentaries and he talks about this scene in Andrew Bonar's life and there was this is a 19th century pastor but there's he kept a diary and in one of his entries he talks about a grievous wound that he suffered that's how he put it a grievous wound that he had suffered that very day the death of his wife of 17 years and he says that before she died he was doing what he did every day and that was prayerfully meditate on scripture and the scripture for that very day was from Nahum seven one seven: The Lord is good a stronghold in the day of trouble and he knows those who take refuge in him. The Lord is good. The Lord is a stronghold. The Lord knows those who take refuge in him. He said, little did I know that I would need that promise. 30 minutes later, his wife died. But that was what sustained him. Prayerfully meditating on the truth of who God is, his character, so that he could endure. And I like what Dr. Davis says. This is Luke's father. He says, often I don't need more information. I need endurance Often I don't need to know something. I just need to stay on my feet. I need to endure. I need to persevere in what I know to be true. And that requires strength from God. And so that's what Paul is praying for. Let's not give up praying for spiritual strength and growth for ourselves and for others. And then the final lines of this Thanksgiving prayer, Paul reminds the church in Colossae of our motivation. What's the why? I mean, he's talked about how the gospel grows, how the kingdom grows. He talks about how, what that looks like in the life of a believer, the spiritual growth. But why? Why does it really matter? What is the motivation for giving our lives to support the gospel? I mean, our gospel reading today from Jesus' parable of this shrewd this servant, really the point of that is to use your Material resources to further the kingdom of God so that you will be able to greet people in heaven based on what you've done with the resources that God has given you. Those people were reached with what you've done. You've made friends for eternity based on your use of your resources for the expansion of the gospel. So there's a deep call here. There's a call to commitment. There's a call no matter whether we're ordained or not. We are called to work for the kingdom of God to give ourselves to this to the very end and to pursue growth and obedience to Christ so that we live in a way that's pleasing to Him. It's all in. We're to be all in on this. Gospel project. That's asking for everything. That's asking a lot. (laughs) What's the motivation? What's the why? Well, he reminds us here at at the end. He says, Once again, verse 13, we've talked about God has done this wonderful work of deliverance for you. Break out the wine, throw the flowers, wave the flags, greet the deliverer, thank Him. He's delivered you from a domain of darkness and He's transferred you to the kingdom of His beloved Son. He's rescued you. And how has He done it? Verse 14, Through the redemption of Christ. Which gives us the forgiveness of sins. The redemption of Christ is pointless to the payment that Christ made at the cross. Redemption means payment. There was a payment paid for us to be delivered. And that payment, brothers and sisters, was the blood of Christ at the cross. A precious payment of infinite value. And that's the motivation to serve God who has done this for us. There's a scene in uh, Saving Private Ryan. Have you seen that movie? Steven Spielberg, Saving Private Ryan. The last scene. Um, this movie was about a group of soldiers who went to save this private, Ryan, because the mother of this private had already lost three sons in World War II. And so they sent. A group of soldiers to save him so she wouldn't lose another son. And, and at the end of the film, uh, Private Ryan is now Mr. Ryan. He's all grown up. He's an old man. And he's, he's standing before the grave of one of those soldiers, the captain of that unit that saved him, Captain Miller. And Miller and other soldiers died to save him so that he could return to his mother. Well, now he's old and he's standing at the grave and he's burdened with this idea that have I earned this sacrifice? Have I lived my we- life in a way that honors the sacrifice that they've made? And so he asks his wife, it's a very powerful scene, he calls his wife over and he says, tell me I'm a good man. Tell me I've lived a good life because he has his burden that he needed to earn the sacrifice. Well, as Christians, we don't earn the sacrifice Christ made for us. We could never earn it. It's a gift. It's a gift of grace. We're not under any obligation to prove ourselves worthy because we could never do it. But in light of the sacrifice that he's made, that instinct to honor that sacrifice is right, and we do it not to earn it. We do it out of a sense of gratitude. To honor what He's done for us. And that's why we are committed to the growth of the kingdom. To the gospel. And to growing ourselves so that we can walk in a way that's pleasing to Him. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that that would be our motivation for sharing the gospel, for investing in the gospel, investing in the growth of your kingdom. uh, To glorify You because of what You've done for us out of gratitude. And Lord, I pray for anyone here who may not, may not even have this sense of being delivered, transferred out of one realm into another. I pray, God, that by Your Holy Spirit You will give them a sense of their need and a sense of Your gracious call to them to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. Thank you Lord for the people in our life that has helped, that have helped us to grow in Christ and help us to do that for others. Pray in Jesus name. Amen.